0: Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. Today is the fourth quarter 2022 Von Nelson Emerging Markets Recap. And with me today are senior portfolio managers, Marco Priani and Kevin Ross. And with that, Marco, Kevin, I will turn things over to you.
1: Thanks very much, Dan. And it's a pleasure to be here to talk about the fourth quarter and give some comments as, as a group on our outlook for 2023. Starting with the fourth quarter, uh, global equity markets staged a rally driven by peaking inflationary conditions and the decline in the U.S. dollar. This was a reversal from the bearish trend experienced during the rest of the year. The overall annual decline in equity prices reflects the impact from higher interest rates, increasing the global cost of capital, and bringing down equity valu- valuations. The next challenge in the story will be digesting declining earnings expectations for 2023, which we expect will occur primarily during the first half of this year. The inflection point and recovery will be contingent on the interplay between the decline in inflation and whether the higher interest rates we have seen lead to excessive economic slowdowns and potentially a recession. In November, uh, following protests that spread across China, along with poor data, we saw the government begin loosening their COVID restrictions, which had been in place for nearly three years. And we expect an improvement in economic activity in China in 2023. Turning to the portfolio as a result of buys, sells, and market activity, you saw our weightings in Hong Kong, South Korea, Germany, and Poland increase during the quarter. Our portfolio's weightings in India, Indonesia, the U.S., and South Africa came down during the period. Looking now at specifically at our sectors, our weightings in consumer staples, discretionary, and materials kicked up during the quarter, and we brought down our weightings in IT, energy, and industrials. Uh, During the quarter, we lagged the benchmark by uh, just marginally. um, The best-performing countries uh, were Saudi Arabia, South Korea, Germany, and Mexico, This was offset by our performance in Hong Kong, driven by stock selection, an underweight position that we have in Turkey, and lack performance in Taiwan and onshore China. Our portfolio continues to be overweight in information technology, consumer staples, which we added to during the period, real estate, and consumer discretionary. Conversely, uh, we remain underweight to traditional financials, materials, uh, particularly cyclical materials. And healthcare, including biotech. Now we've got Marco here as well, and we'll talk about our macro views and the outlook for the asset class. So, Marco, the outlook for the dollar is clearly an important driver of asset class returns for non-U.S. investments and emerging markets. What are your thoughts as we think about the outlook for 2023 for the dollar? Thank you. Thank you
2: very much, Kevin. Yes, on the Marco the US Federal Reserve raising interest rates from 0.25% to a 15 year high of 4.5% in December, the US dollar strengthened during the year as higher yields attracted inflows. Specifically, the dollar index strengthened by 19% from the beginning of the year to its peak at the end of September. If you look historically, At the real effective exchange rate, the U.S. dollar looks more expensive than in all but two time periods over the last 50 years, 1971 and the early 80s. At some point during 2023 or early 2024, we expect the Federal Reserve to pause its interest rate tightening cycle as the global economic slowdown accelerates and pushes inflation down from four decades highs. More recently, we have seen the dollar decline 8 percent during the fourth quarter, with market participants being to pricing rate cuts during the second half of 2023. While we don't have precision on when the rate cuts will happen, we are confident that we are in the later inning of this cycle of. Dollar strength and that the uh, exchange drug for emerging market equities should be materially less in 2023. The economic outlook is also improving in China, which is the largest economy within Yan, and should also be supportive of the uh, RD and export oriented economies that have close linkages with China such as Taiwan, Korea, and commodity exporters, such as Brazil and South Africa. Um, We see also, Kevin, that uh, emerging market equities have been considered cheap for some time. What uh, makes you think that things are different now and that uh, a re-rating is likely on an absolute and relative basis?
1: A couple of things that we would highlight on this question, Marco. Uh, Firstly, if you look at the earnings growth expectations, we've already seen material revisions for emerging markets. Since the peak of of, uh, earnings growth expectations in in April of 2021, earnings have been revised down for 2023 by 27%, which suggests to us that they already incorporate this slowdown in global economic growth that we would expect In contrast, if you look at developed markets, and we're using here the MSCI World Index, which already trade at a material 38% premium to emerging markets, they've only seen earnings revisions of 6%, suggesting that further interest rate reductions are likely this year. If you compare on a valuation basis, EM equities are trading at historically wide discounts that in some cases are the largest discounts we have seen over the past 20 years. Just to give you some numbers, the PE multiple discount to developed markets is about 30%. Price-to-book discount is 40%, and price-to-cash-flow discount is nearly 45%. Uh, this places these metrics in the uh, bottom quartile and the uh, uh, second uh, uh, bottom 10% tile uh, for, for both, all three metrics, price-to-book value, price-to-cash-flow, and price-to-earnings suggesting that things look historically cheap. And when we consider that EM earnings expectations have already been revised down, combined with these deeply discounted valuations in the equity and the currency markets, we see strong prospects and potential positive surprises over the medium term. The other point that we would highlight is the improvement in relative growth that is expected in emerging market economies. This growth gap, which is estimated by the IMF, should increase in 2023, driven by higher higher activity in China, improvement in the ASEAN Southeast Asia region, and continued strong growth from India. In contrast, developed market GDP growth is expected to decelerate down to around 1% in 2023, driven by slowing growth in the U.S., U.K., and Europe. Consequently, that GDP differential between EM and DM should widen from 1.3% in 2022, to almost 3% in 2023 and 2024. And historically, there's been a close relationship between an expanding GDP growth premium and the relative stock market returns. Marco, we've been talking quite a bit about China and uh, we saw China change their policy focus the last several months. What additional insights and details can you provide us uh, on China?
2: Yes, Kevin, what a change you has been. Uh, in November, uh, following protests that spread across the country with uh, also poor economic data for the month, retail sales were down almost 6%, for instance, the government began loosening their COVID restrictions, which have been in place for nearly three years. The latest developing study last week implied that for China entry, only a negative PCR test within 48 hours before departure uh, will be necessary, effectively scrapping any quarantine requirements for foreign travelers into China. Authorities will also resume granting visas for mainland residents to travel abroad. COVID-19 has been downgraded from a category A infectious disease to category B, such as AIDS or birth flu, which allows for further easing of restrictions at the local level. Beijing is now signaling to government officials that priority should be placed on improving economic activity. We believe there's material pent-up demand in China, which will boost consumption activity into twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four as household savings increase materially during the pandemic years. More than forty regions across China have launched consumption vouchers, which can be across all consumer categories, including autos, home appliances, even restaurants. Further loosening of home projects restrictions, uh, further reduction of mortgage rates, and liquidity support for property developers to complete projects to the tune of $250 billion should all support an improvement in consumer sentiments moving forward. One geography that, unlike China, has been strong uh, over the last years is India, and uh, it has been an outperformer within our asset class for, for the last several years. Do you think this can continue?
1: Well, just to get some numbers on that point, Marco, if you look at over the last decade, India has been a notable outperformer delivering 10-year total annual returns of 12 percent compared to the broader benchmark around 5 percent. And 2022 was very similar to this dynamic as the country delivered a positive positive 3 percent return, which was much better than the roughly 15 percent decline we saw for the broader benchmark. Economic growth is estimated to come in slightly below 7 percent, supported by strong domestic demand and that's expected to continue north of 6% uh, this year, according to IMF estimates, thus making it one of the fastest-growing large economies in the world. Exports are only about 13% of total GDP, which leaves India more insulated from slowing global growth that we've talked about in developed markets. In addition, the domestic economy is supported by the government's focus on increasing its manufacturing base, Leveraging this theme of China Plus One strategy as manufacturing businesses are diversifying their supply chains out of China and a renewed CapEx cycle from the public and the private infrastructure sectors. The team sees strong opportunities and attractive valuations for several subsectors that we would highlight, including regional banks, energy infrastructure, buildings, materials, and business services sectors. All that being said, If you look at the valuations on a relative basis in India as compared to the rest of emerging markets, we're now at two standard deviations uh, above where we've been historically. And if you look at the aggregate upside for the companies on our watch list and in our portfolio that are in India, they have amongst the lowest upside on a three-year time horizon based on our DCF model. Consequently, we have been gradually taking down our position in India from one that was overweight about 12 months back to a position today where we're slightly underweight relative to the benchmark. We strongly believe in the structural long-term growth opportunities that exist in India, but we want to be disciplined in seeking our 50% return over three years that we've talked about in previous calls. So for this year, our approach to India, we will remain opportunistic in looking for new ideas, but clearly it's become more difficult to find in the last few months. Uh, Marco, we've seen a lot of news of the last several months in Latin America, specifically in Brazil, uh, which just completed its presidential election and we're starting to see the formation of the cabinet and some early uh, read into what the policies could look like under the new administration. What are your thoughts on Brazil and the implications from the changing political dynamics there?
2: Yes, I mean I think this is not uh, something that is exclusive to Brazil. I think the uh, political uh, situations in Latin America have become uh, much more polarized. We can say within a uh, let's say usually a leftist and a, a right wing side of the population, uh, this uh, in general, and uh, we are not speaking about Brazil, but we can speak about uh, Colombia, Peru, Bolivia, uh, Chile, Argentina, this uh, translates into, in general, into a deterioration of the quality of the rule of law and democracy, which is not good in general for uh, investment purposes. In the case of Brazil, we can say that uh, the country performed better than expectations in 2022, with uh, something mainly from strong commodity prices, better household consumption, and higher private investment. Uh, the GDP growth is estimated uh, for the year at a relatively robust 2.8 percent, with interest rates having been hiked from 2 percent to low teens over a roughly two-year period, and risks. their exports from slowdown in developed markets, growth should decelerate in 2023 to 1.2%, according to IMF forecasts. The new government under Lula is expected to prioritize social spending despite a weak fiscal position, which is likely to require rates to remain at high levels and provide some downward pressure on the currency. Recent events in Brasilia are likely to further support, uh, to increase the support for Lula and his uh, legislative agenda, which we think is a risk to the outlook for Brazilian assets. Consequently, we recently trimmed back our position
1: in Brazil to a way that is more neutral uh, versus our benchmark. Kevin? Thank you very much, Marco. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We wish you a happy new year and a strong start to the year. We'll be back uh, with the
0: first quarter update in a few months' time. Uh, Back to you, Dan. Kevin, Marco, thank you very much for the insight on the quarter. And with that, we will transition over to returns. In the fourth quarter of 2022, the Von Nelson Emerging Market Strategy returned 9.3% gross, 9.01% net, versus the MSCI Emerging Markets Midcap cap Index at 10.25%. The one-year number for 2022 for the emerging market strategy is negative 10.81% gross, negative 11.79% net. And that's against the MSCI Emerging Markets Midcap cap at negative 17.11%. And on the five-year number... The Von Nelson Emerging Market Strategy returned 0.18% gross, negative uh, 1% even on a net basis, and lastly against the MSCI Emerging Market Midcap Index, which returned 0.14%. Uh, Marco, Kevin, thank you so much. Uh, that wraps up 2022, and we look forward to having you again soon. The views, information, and/or opinions expressed during this podcast or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson Strategies.